Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. No one. What's up, Gator Nation? Welcome into the latest Gators Online show. Zach Albaverde and Nick Del Torre here. Hope everybody is enjoying their week as uh, we... Get through SEC play and baseball season, inch closer to the start of spring football and baseball season, and uh, another week of news to get into for you guys. Nick, how are you, my friend? Doing well. Uh, shout out to JC Deacon and Gators golf team. I got my uh, three quarter, my three quarter zip on here. Got 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 laced up and then bombarded with questions um, about where to get the gear and pro- possibly even some threats on my life. Uh, people wanted to beat me up and, and, and grab the gear. So, um, listen, if I'm going to be hated, I better look good. And that's a that's a good looking good looking golf golf logo. Did you know you were getting the care package? I did. I did. Listen, when you're a social media influencer, Zach, things just happen. Mm, it's like that. <laughs> it's like that. I need, I need to start. I need to start um, using my Twitter following more to my advantage, mm. I guess. But no but Twitter blue you know, for me. Not- no, no. I mean, Elon's just running, running me ragged with this. How am I supposed to do halftime Q and A with twenty tweets a day? It's impossible. Yeah. Uh, well, listen. The, the, I think the Gator football players about to have twenty win sprints a, a day. It feels like mm. uh, they have kicked off their uh, second phase of their offseason program, the identity phase. Nick, uh, What's foundation that? has been set. That's what they call the first phase, mm-hmm. and uh, if you know. You're hearing us talking about summer workouts and maybe not too exciting. Don't tell that to Billy Napier uh, because you think about Florida's year that they have, especially in the fall once they get into the schedule. And you got the game against Georgia. You got some of the road trips you're going to take. You got fall camp and the grind that that is. No, 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 no. Billy says the most challenging thing that they're going to do from a physical and and mental standpoint is the first half of this second phase and these workouts that you're watching right now on the screen. And obviously the players were introduced to it l- last year and year one, you got a lot of returners back, but you also got a lot of newcomers that are going through these workouts for the first time. And I think uh, this, this portion of the program, Nick is kind of critical to the team that they want to build. I remember talking to uh, Osiris Torrance on the show um, and he talked to us about, you know, Hey, when we went out there for this stuff, guys were like kind of like tapping me, elbowing me, being like, hey, what are we about to do? And he's like, you're just going to have to see for yourself. There's really no no way to put it. Um, but this is just, listen, it, it's just the strength staff. The coaches uh, aren't supposed to be out there, can't be out there per NCAA rules. So it's just the strength staff and a lot of running, like you're seeing, pushing sleds, lifting, um, practicing once a day, twice a day, lift in the morning and, and run and run in the afternoon. Um, it's grueling. And, and I think the uh, point of it all is to challenge yourself mentally. What are you going to do when you're exhausted? And hey, we're, we're only three quarters of the way done. You got five more sprints. You've got to push this sled another hundred yards. Um, just challenging yourself, taking yourself to a breaking point uh, and pushing through that and continuing to go. I think you're trying to create mentally uh, a mentally strong football team. No doubt. And the way that this breaks down this phase two uh, it's basically a four-week period that the Gators have. They do a, a one-hour workout session uh, four times a week, and you know this basically challenges them, challenges them inside the indoor practice facility. It, it's a prep, obviously, for spring ball, but also, as Napier mentioned, from a physical toughness, mental standpoint, this is kind of the intangibles that they're trying to create right here, and uh, these 15 sessions kind of establish that, and you're talking about – 40-yard wind sprints, 20-yard wind sprints repeatedly. You get a 25-second rest, and then you're having to do it again. And, you know, there's obviously creating competitions as well. And and there's a lot of camaraderie that gets created too. You think about all the pieces that they bring back and, and starters. There's not much staff turnover now, but so much attrition that they've had from the roster. You get a lot of guys coming back that kind of know the routine now, know what the expectation is. 
but I think 27 new scholarship players have been added for this spring that are going through this for the first time and probably have never mm-hmm. – look, this is the Bama blueprint that Mark Hockey and, and Billy Napier and their staff are putting these players through. And, and a lot of these guys, especially the ones that are coming over as transfers from other programs, they've never experienced anything like this. So to kind of get introduced to this, uh, I think foundation was was kind of an intro, but but what they're doing right now, now for the next four weeks – uh, is really going to get them ready for spring ball, which starts on March 4th. Uh, that might get me in shape for my wedding uh, later this <laughs> June. If, if they wanted to invite me out, don't know if I'd make it through it, though. <laughs> don't know uh, if my foundation is set and or if my identity is uh, where it needs to be, Zach. Uh, but but that but that's what they're doing. It um, It is interesting. I think it's it, – see, there's Graham Mertz. Hello. Um, I think it is interesting that yeah, – Another new have, transfer to Rod Mitchell. Hello. Yeah, it's interesting that you have 27 new guys. Um, that's, that's a, a massive number. Most of the uh, high school signing class, obviously, and then you have the 10 uh, through the transfer portal. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how these guys are handling it, um, how how they come together as a team. Um, and I've been talking a lot about the transfer portal in terms of baseball. It's a little more normal in, in terms of football. You're used to getting this kind of roster turnover now, um, but I don't know that – many schools in the country will have as many mid-year enrollees as Florida does this year. And Nick, what has just been your general impression now a year removed of Mark Hockey in this strength staff and this strength program? Because we know in talking to the players all last offseason that the one thing that they were emphasizing was the conditioning aspect of the strength mm-hmm. and conditioning program. Obviously, Savage was big in the weight room and having those guys push around weights. But I think they wanted to get this team faster, more lean, better conditioned to kind of be able to compete in that fourth quarter. Yeah. And look, judging by the way the season played out, when you think about the way that the Gators rallied in so many games, came back in the second half, uh, were able to stay in it until the end, I definitely think from a conditioning standpoint, uh, Hawking and staff did a really good job in year one. Well, you, you set me up there. I mean, you you asked the question, then you answered it. I think that's I think that's the answer. And what the team is doing that, and not just this, the identity and foundation phases, but the way they run practice. I joke with uh, Rob Sale, Stapleton, and, and then some of the offensive linemen all the time when they're doing in indie when they're doing individual drills. The offensive linemen have to run like a diagonally across the field the longest to get to. The, you know, the team stuff. And I'm like, man, they make these big guys run the length of the field. And I think it's all geared towards exactly what you just said, which is when we're in the fourth quarter and teams start to get tired, that's not going to be our team. Um, and and you watch even in in the games Florida lost and even in the games they won, there's close games. And if it comes down to who can put together one more drive or get one more stop, uh, the team that's not, you know, hands on head or hands on knees gasping for air is is, is going to be the team that likely comes out with a win. You didn't get yeah. too many of the wins last year, but it's it's a it's a foundation and a building phase, and, and I do think that you see that and saw that last year uh, late in games. And obviously, it's not just Mark Hockey; he's got a whole staff of, of folks, uh, you know, in all type of roles. You know, when you think about Ed Thompson and, and, and kind of the energy that he brings, obviously Tiger Jones. And this in the speed department, and he's got that you know cane that he brings out too. Uh, I think all those guys have, have have had their impact, and this is their time to shine. I mean, this is they get their hands on this team right now, as you said, Nick. Uh, the, the coaches are kind of hands off, so it's really these strength coaches that are kind of serving as the leaders. But also, you got the players too. Uh, you've you've got the seniors, you've got the kind of upperclassmen, the returning starters, and also you usually have a quarterback that's kind of stepping up as a leader. Now it's kind of a probably awkward period right now as uh, there's no, there's no QB one right now that's been defined. So that's Jack Miller trying to step up and lead in workouts. Graham Mertz. Uh, we know your boy Max Brown is getting to skip out on some of these right now as he's playing baseball. Um, but obviously we know the law firm of Mertz and Miller is going to be a topic of conversation throughout this off season, throughout spring it was this week on the tailgate show, Nick, when uh, the HBC came on and dropped mm. dropped an absolutely classic line on the radio. When show. the HBC talks, Nick and Zach listen, and everyone should. Um, but it's just a classic Steve Spurrier line. Obviously, Shane Matthews was Steve Spurrier's first quarterback. Shane now has transitioned 
into a role as the uh, color commentary next to Sean Kelly and Shane and, and Steve. still have a great relationship and, and speaking on the tailgate, Steve Spurrier said he was talking to Shane and Shane told him, I'm not sure we have a great quarterback right now. Steve Spurrier with, I'm sure without missing a beat told Shane, they told me that when I took the Florida job back in 1990, Shane, uh, of course, meaning uh, they told me that about you, Shane. Yes. So <laughs> you just gotta, you just gotta coach them up. Um, and, and listen, Billy Napier is, uh, the head coach, quarterbacks coach, and offensive coordinator. So uh, if you come to if you come to Florida as a quarterback, you're going to be seeing a lot of Billy Napier. Yep. Um, and and you've got Jack Miller, who I, I think a lot of fans are throwing out uh, any hope or any any trust and belief in him. And I understand it. He did not look great in in the glorified practice, which was the 2022 spring game. Uh, and then he doesn't play all year because he had a broken thumb and a torn ligament in his thumb. Comes back, still doesn't have full feeling in that hand, and is asked to lead the Gators against uh, an Oregon State an Oregon State team that really wanted to win 10 games. And I think uh, Jack was leading a group of Gators that was happy to be in Las Vegas uh, <laughs> and, and happy to be home for Christmas. Um, so I, I'm not ready to close the book on, on Jack Miller. Obviously, Billy has spoken very highly of Graham Mertz, said that they studied 24 quarterbacks before landing on him. He started 32 games. Sounds great, but really the best game was his first game, uh, and that was back in 2020 against Illinois, a team that proved yeah. to be pretty bad on defense the rest of that season. Um, and then Max Brown, who uh, is is currently swinging at sliders and fastballs and, and not going through the foundation or identity phases. Now, Max, and we've said this on the podcast before, Max is here in a football scholarship. It's nice that he's playing baseball great that that the, both coaches are giving him the opportunity to try to be a two-sport athlete i hope he gets at least one at bat uh this fall or this spring uh make your two, next week <laughs> two, next week make your two-sport letterman but max brown will not miss any spring football practice or meetings certainly not the spring game uh the way florida runs practice you know you might have someone's arm fall off if they only <laughs> had two scholarship quarterbacks yeah. so max brown will be out there um I don't anticipate that he'll push for that starter job. I think it's going to be one of, one of the law partners with Mertz and Miller. Um, but I'm not ready to throw Jack Miller out yet. Yeah, I, definitely definitely too early for that. And, and you you got a guy that's been in this program and in this offense now for a year. So that that gives him an upper hand kind of heading in, in, into the spring. I just want to circle back on what Spurrier said. It is hilarious that Shane Matthews, Basically took a dig at Florida's quarterback room, and then Spurrier took one right back at him. Just flipped it on him. <laughs> gave him that Uno reverse card. <laughs> I just uh, – and it is. You know, you think about this guy buried on the depth chart, basically a no-name, and Spurrier picks him out of the bunch and turns him into an all-SEC performer and record-setting quarterback at the yeah. time in conference. And um, I think – this dynamic, as you mentioned, your story, Nick, is a little bit different than than Shane Matthews. You know, uh, even Jack Jack Miller is certainly not a nobody um, coming over from Ohio State, and certainly how he was regarded as a recruit. And then you're getting a three year starter in Graham Mertz that is that is stepping in and is definitely has that experience to his you know to his advantage, and is, is something that I think is going to have to show up in the spring if he's going to get this job. But look, to Spurrier's point. I mean, you got to coach him up. You obviously got to build your offense around your signal caller and, and whatever you have to work with. Um, you got to find a way to produce and, and, and get points on the board. We all know that, you know, given the backs that Florida has, that that's going to probably be a strength of their offense. They should be able to lean on that with the way that they've reloaded on the offensive line. So uh, as we've mentioned, this is not – this is going to be, I think, a, a, a different responsibility maybe on the quarterback than there was last year with Anthony who did a lot at that spot. Um, it, it, there'll be some responsibilities that change, but I also think that there's, there's a chance that maybe Mertz can execute and, and do some things uh, better than Anthony, uh, whether that's um, just from an experience standpoint and some of the execution of the offense. I think Ant was obviously growing throughout the year. And by the time the season was over, had progressed a lot in some of those areas, but you, you gain some things from getting Graham, but obviously you lose a lot in losing Anthony yeah. especially from an ability standpoint. So um, this is this is going to be the highlight of the spring, Nick, this battle. And I'm sure Spurrier's is just as anxious to see it play out as everybody else. 
And, and listen, uh, you know, you know, you know, the head headball coach will be out there at spring practice, and uh, I will be looking for, looking to see if we can get him back on the show, Zach, or uh, if he's doing any more radio appearances because uh, he'll have his opinions after he sees both these guys spin it uh, a couple times. I'm sure of that. Um, it it, uh, it will be, I think, a two man race, and 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 probably not one that's decided by the spring. It could be, you know, last year. Um, I think we all knew it would be Anthony Richardson, but you had this kind of unknown in Jack Miller. Um, and, and we can only see so much uh, in the open media portion time that we're out there. So by the time it got to showtime, you know, that Thursday night uh, in the swamp under the lights, obviously Anthony Richardson was the one that took the stage. Going back to your point a little bit, I think the offense has to change big time. You don't have that kind of dynamic runner that Anthony Richardson was. And we talk a lot about Florida's offensive line, and we give them a lot of credit for, for their performance last year. How many times would a, a less mobile quarterback have been sacked potentially, though? Yes, uh, absolutely. To inflate, to inflate those numbers that we're, we're lauding the offensive line for. How many times it was it, if not for Anthony Richardson, it might have been a sack? Or how many games would you not have been in if not for Anthony's running ability, just look at the season opener. Anthony runs for like a buck 40 and three touchdowns against Utah. You're not going to get that from any of the quarterbacks you have on campus now. So yeah. Billy Napier and his offensive staff have a lot of work to do to complete, like throw out whatever the playbook was last year. Cause your quarterback can't do that stuff. Nope. So you have a whole new identity on offense coming up. What's up, Florida fans? Wanted to encourage all of you to go check out RogueShop.com. If you have issues sleeping, chronic pain, and or anxiety and stress, Rogue Shop sells CBD, THC, edibles, smokables, and vapes, as well as handcrafted bath salts, soaps, candles, massage oils, pain creams, and topicals. Rogue Shop is a true small business, disabled, veteran-owned, Black-owned, woman-owned company. They have five employees and make all of their products with their own cannabis grown in their manufacturing facility. Visit rogueshop.com. That's R-O-G-U-E-S-H-O-P.com. And that quarterback who is moving on is obviously preparing himself for the NFL draft. We found out this week that Anthony Richardson will be one of nine Gators uh, that will be participating in the NFL draft combine in Indianapolis, uh, I think we expected. And before we go through, and before we go through the list, I think we're. I think it's going to be a show. Like he's not going to throw, um, and I don't know that he'll bench press. But I think if he does bench press, that'll be a show. But Anthony Richardson and and, and there's a lot of fans who maybe are angry about how the season went and probably put that on the quarterback. And Anthony probably gets that. Like, listen, a quarterback gets more blame than they should and more praise than they should. Anthony Richardson was built <laughs> for the NFL combine. Like he's going to show up and show out. You ready, Nick? I'm ready. Drop a little scoopity scoop scoop Ooh. on the, on the show right here, Nicholas, as uh, our, our boy AR is going through this uh, draft process, you know, there's training involved. Obviously he's got to get himself ready to impress these NFL teams. And uh, our boys bulked up. Bulked up. Nicholas. Played the entire season at 240 pounds. I'm told right now, currently, on the 9th of February, he's at 250. Whew. 250. You, you now, thought, you would, th you would think you adding. You, you think you would, think would slim down 10, before the 40, though. Was, oh, oh, you, you just took the words right out of my mouth. You would think that adding 10 pounds might take away some speed, might take away some vert. Nope. Both of those numbers have increased. Anthony Richardson, from a source, is running 4'4 four, four at 250 pounds right now. Mm. <laughs> so get ready for Please a show in Indy, folks. Listen, the, if, you, if you don't like Will Levis, Anthony Richardson might uh, steal the headlines for a little while after the performance he's going to put on in Indy. Yeah, and then and then he comes to pro day, and, and as Nick has mentioned, that's when he's going to sling it and put on a show in the indoor practice facility. There's always going already going to be a lot of buzz that he's generated from the combine. So 
Uh, that stock that we're seeing from all these mock drafts that are coming out in the last two weeks, um, that stock is only going to improve and soar in, the, in these coming months. So it's going to be fun to watch. Obviously, the other guys that are going to be competing in Indianapolis, uh, Osiris Torrance, Javon Dexter, Richard Garage, Ventro Miller, Justin Shorter, Rashad Torrance II, Trey Dean third, and then a former Florida Gator, Brenton Cox Jr., also among the uh, list of invitees. I know uh, Jacob Copeland also headed to uh, Indianapolis as well. So uh, one guy who did not get invited was yeah. Amari Bernie. So he'll have a chance to show out at Pro Day. That was a, a surprise to me. I thought maybe, you know, uh, given given the body of work for Bernie, um, the, the athleticism that he has, I thought he would get an opportunity. Obviously, that just makes um, – uh, puts more pressure on him on pro day. You know, it, everyone wants to be at the scouting combine um, and, and it gives you kind of a cushion. If you have a bad performance on that one day, because listen, you only get 240 attempts. You only get to do the, the vert two times. You only get one chance at the bench press. If you have a bad, bad day in Indy, you've always got your pro day to fall back on. And the guys that didn't get the invitation to Indianapolis, now everything, you, you know, you're, you're rolling dice just on that one day. Um, but I'm sure he's a guy that will uh, run great and test great as well. He's super athletic. Um, the interesting one for me will be if we're, if we're talking about pro day a little bit is Brenton Cox. Um, when <laughs> Florida, when, when Florida put out their graphic about guys uh, in the East West shrine game, yep. Brent, Brent Cox was not included as a player who was dismissed. Um, it will be very interesting to me to see how Florida and Billy Napier specifically handle Brenton Cox's pro day. Um, I understand if you had a bad breakup, um, but not allowing a guy to come back for pro day, that's a, that's a big, a big statement and could potentially be a bad look. Um, so I'm interested to see when that pro day list comes out, if uh, the old number one will be invited back to uh, back to Gainesville to participate. And remember Billy was asked about that when he was dismissed and he said, uh, to my recollection, that's to be determined, uh, yeah. or, or some, or we'll cross that bridge, uh, when we get there. So we're well, about to cross there. They crossed the East West Shrine Bowl bridge without Breton. <laughs> they did. They did. And speaking of that game, uh, in the senior bowl, definitely some guys that are going to head into the NFL combine with some momentum. Shout out to Trey Dean, uh, brought home MVP honors and a pick that he had in the East West uh, Shrine Bowl. So that, Certainly, and he, throughout the whole week, was a standout in practices. Sure. I think he had a day where he had two picks in practices, mm -hmm. including a pick six. And then Rashad, or excuse me, uh, Osiris Torrance at the uh, Reese Senior Bowl just absolutely tore it up, solidified himself as a, as a first-round pick, as the number one guard in the draft. And uh, in the latest mocks, I think we just saw just this past week, uh, he was he was projected as a first round pick. So Richard Garage also played in the Senior Bowl, so that was some exposure for him. Justin Shorter uh, played in that East West Shrine game as well as Amari Bernie. So that was a chance for him to get in front of some NFL personnel that that he'll get to miss at the combine. Now, one guy who didn't get to play in the Reese Senior Bowl and won't get to participate in the NFL Combine and probably won't be able to do anything for Pro Day is Ventro Miller, and that's a guy that uh, was reported. Um, is uh, was that a Jones fracture, Nicholas? Yeah, that he had a, Liz, a Liz procedure Jones for, fracture. Um, and that and, was and uh, Ian Rappaport that reported mm -hmm. that. So, uh, that's gonna put him out, I think, until April. That is, um, that's an injury that we put up on our message board at the time, uh, that Ventro had, I think, in week two, um, or, or maybe even week one, or uh, he played all year on a broken foot, just getting. <laughs> just getting pain, pain numbing injections in his foot and uh, going out there. And, and a guy who had gone through a biceps tear the year before he had the credit card thing and missed his freshman year. He had missed so much time. I think when he decided to come back for his super duper senior year, his sixth year of eligibility, he just said, listen, if it's broken, it's broken. Cool. I just don't need to feel it. Let me go play football. Um, that's the kind of guy that Ventro Miller is and, and why he was, uh, so respected in the locker room. I think he's put plenty on tape. Um, he won't be able to test, won't be able to do some of those things. Um, 
But just hearing that, that's something that NFL GMs and scouts um, will certainly take into account. Yes, he can't perform now. Why? Because he played three months on a broken foot. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that earned you some brownie points, Yeah, I think. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know what? We'll give you a pass. We didn't get to see you uh, do the broad jump. I understand why. Yeah, and it, it's funny thinking in hindsight, him getting asked post-game in the Florida State locker room, then, Charlie, you think about playing in the bowl game? And he was polite enough to not say no then. But knowing what we know now, obviously he knew he was done. Uh, the guy just toughed it out. And, you know, it's interesting, Nick, because as we transition to basketball now, you know, I think of what Ventrell did in the season that he had, and it was it was just a kind of a shame that it was obviously overshadowed by the team's results and that this dude just toughed it out had, you know, at time was playing like an all SEC, you know, Buckus finalist uh, before that injury really started to settle, set in. And it just, you know, you didn't get to really appreciate his greatness because of Florida's six and seven season. Sure. And I, I think we're going through a little bit of that with Colin Castleton because obviously the Gators are just went through as Denver Parlor, the team's SID put it, the, the toughest four game stretch in school history when you consider three top five teams that they faced. And then the one that wasn't during the four game stretch was at Kentucky in Rupp arena. So, which is apparently a top five program. So this stretch, obviously that the Gators have been on uh, has been unlike anything that they've seen. They lost three of the four. They did get the marquee win against number two, Tennessee, although they just got beat the other night by Vanderbilt uh, in Nashville but during this stretch, Colin Castleton has just been playing out of his mind. Uh, I mean, just in this last game against um, that, the, that the Gators lost at Alabama, he matched his career high in SEC play with 29 points. It was his third straight 20-point game. He scored 16 second-half points, and the dude's averaging 21 points a game over the last five. And uh, he's, you know, he, he's really – playing I think at a at a first team all SEC level the reason why he came back was to show what he could do fully healthy and uh I think this is you know 18th career double double his fifth career 2010 double double so he also led the Gators with 10 rebounds I mean the guys just really raised his game but that's obviously not what's what's going to get focused on or talked about it's going to be the fact that the Gators are losing games <laughs> well <laughs> Yeah, you can see the score down there. That's not yeah. just losing. That's not just losing. Yeah, games. this 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 past one was bad. Uh, you 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 only lost by 10 threes. You know, hey, about how that's all. You I have mean, to they do. gave up 15 three pointers. I mean, you, they ran and, into a they, they ran into a bus saw. I mean, and, and and their defense is what has been good because as I go through yeah. some of these numbers right here. Um, this is not what you what you're, you know what you're hanging your hat on. The offensively, Florida has been pretty terrible. They are in the these are na na national stats. Field goal attempts, 216th in the country. Field goal percentage, 253rd in the country. Three point shooting percentage, 273rd in the country. Field goals made per game, 243rd. Offensive rebounding, 306th. Points per offense uh, and then points per game, 185th in the country. So this is a team that has been predicated on playing tough defense. Yeah. Controlling, controlling. They have with numbers like that. You better play defense. Yeah. It's uh, it's something that they've been able to hang their hat on. And then obviously last couple games against Kentucky and now Alabama, uh, that that's, that's kind of taking a step back, but look, Todd Golden said, after the game and just just kind of reflecting not only on the loss but but this stretch here and whether he's concerned maybe about the defensive drop off in the last couple of games he just attributed it to the stretch that they're on and uh you know that that they just played a, a four games that really took a lot out of them and he kind of felt like going into the game that this was going to be a challenge for them because they they get the win over number two Tennessee. It's a you know marquee win, their, their biggest win that they've ever had over a number two team. And then they go and, and mind you, that's coming off the emotional game with Keontae Johnson. Then you you have all the emotions of beating the Vols. Then you go on the road in a rivalry environment and have the close loss 
to Kentucky. And just I think that stretch just took so much out of Florida. And Golden attributed to that. He, he felt like Florida was just gas and that coming into this matchup against the Crimson Tide was going to be tough on them from a f- fatigue standpoint, physical standpoint, mental standpoint. He said the Crimson Tide looked fresh, confident, certainly looked like a team that wasn't coming off of playing two top fives in a matchup with Kentucky. And I just mm-hmm. – um, I think obviously the way that the Gators played with Tennessee, that I think that buys them – Certainly, that's a, even though the Vols just got upset, that, that is going to be a huge win uh, and still one of the best in the country right now in terms of resume. Yeah, uh, I don't think there's a real bad loss. Like, obviously, losing 97-69 to is not nice. Um, no. But it's not a bad loss to lose to a, a top-five team. Um, Although that so wasn't they, their worst loss of the season somehow. That's rough. Uh, a couple, a couple thirty-point losses on the year. They lost it's not the great. Twenty-nine at West Virginia. So yeah, um, but you don't have a real like glaring blemish. You're, you're certainly no. a at best bubble team right now, um, and and with a great win over number two Tennessee. Now you, you've got some other opportunities uh, throughout the year. I think playing at Vanderbilt. Listen, Vanderbilt's terrible. That's a tough gym to a tough gym historically to shoot at. Weird gym. Um, you have to go play at Mike White, um, along with another game versus Kentucky. Uh, this oh, one, gosh, at home. the Mike White matchup again. Late season Mike White matchup, February twenty eighth. So, sorry, I'm going way out of order. But coming up this Saturday, you return home, you get Vanderbilt for the first time. Not a great team, um, and then. Oh, but they're just coming Wednesday. off the win over Tennessee, though. True buzzer beater, buzzer beater. They beat them on. So you get you get Vandy and Ole Miss at home before traveling to Fayetteville. Um, and then the, the rest of the season, you've got Kentucky at home. Can you, you got to win can that you flip? Can you flip the script and, and beat, you know, at least split with Kentucky at home and home. Um, then that at Vanderbilt at Georgia back to back. And then before you finish with senior night on March 4th for LSU. So there's not a ton like you've, you've passed through that. I see now more potential potholes losing at Georgia, losing out of Vanderbilt, um, losing at an Arkansas or dropping at, at home with Kentucky. I don't see many more huge opportunities for Florida to, um, you know, really improve their resume as many as I do, you know, potholes to start putting those blemishes on your resume that I I don't think you have yet. Yeah, they're definitely, look, I I give Todd credit because he was asked the other, the other uh, day uh, kind of point blank about Florida's uh, tourney chances and and what they got to do to get in. And I I thought he gave a honest, real answer and he didn't brush it off. And he he hasn't pretended like he and his staff aren't tracking where the Gators are on the bubble and following the net rankings. Like he's like, yeah, I'm looking at it every day. So, but basically he said that they need to win the games that they're supposed to win and maybe steal one and get a dub that that they're not favored in. And and, and to, to him, that's the formula. I think obviously they were not expected to go on the road and beat number three Alabama as bad as that result was. But now you got to take care of business against the Vandys and against the Ole Misses. And you, to me, you got to get that win over Kentucky at home. That's a chance for another signature win, yeah. especially if the Wildcats continue to, to keep stacking up victories. They'll be back in the top 25 by the time they roll in the Gainesville uh, February 22nd. So, yeah. So right I mean, now, just just before you move off of that, those net rankings that you're talking about, Florida's 46. They dropped four uh, after their last loss, or 13 yep. and 11 um, on the year, um, and two and nine in versus quad one opponents, one and two versus quad two, um, and then a 10 and 0 versus you know quad three, quad four opponents. But um, it, it's it's I think I think Todd hit it on the head, and and um, I think you know the last three basketball coaches billy mike and todd not afraid to let you know hey we stink and this is what we need to do um very honest and uh as as writers who cover uh appreciate the honesty yeah and 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 obviously this is this is a tough stretch Uh, again going back to the four games you look at the average ken palm ratings for the gators last four opponents average was 16.25 their next seven opponent opponents have an average of 86.86. Potholes. So, yeah. A huge drop off. Uh, 
and level of competition, but also not a lot to gain from some of those wins in, in terms of trying to build your resume. So as Todd mentioned, they need to win the games that they're supposed to win. They need to steal one like they did against Tennessee uh, and get another marquee win. And he, I think he mentioned, yeah, he said they got to clip one in the conference tournament and go to Nashville and win one in the SEC tourney. So that's right now the path for the Gators to get into the big dance. And I think that's the goal right now. Uh, look, he was dealt a very tough schedule in terms of the non-conference and then what they just went through here, these last four games. Um, it's it's a it's a tough schedule for a first-year coach that's going through a lot of uh, a lot of transition. Ah, they, they don't care. I'll tell you no, that. no, they I'll don't care. That. I'll tell you that they don't care. But uh, and, and this is an older team. You know, this is a team that, regardless if you sneak into the tournament or if you're nit balling, um, you got you're gonna have a, a brand new roster next year as well. So and that's and that's what's um, you know that's that's why the future is is just wide open. You have no idea what what's what's gonna hold because you lose Castleton. And as, as we said to start this segment, he's just been on an absolute tear. Mm -hmm. And he's so much of the reason why the Gators are where they are. And that they've competed in the games that they've been in, that they've won the ones that they have. What he's done on the offensive end, defensive end, you lose that production. And you lose some of the other guys that you have that make up kind of what you lean on with some of the uh, you know, fifth-year guards that they have. And there's not a lot of answers coming through the recruiting rank. So they're really going to have to strike big in the transfer portal. And I think Todd has already said before that that's going to be his philosophy. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, they I don't think the Gators are going to be necessarily in some of those um, NIL battles with uh, five-star recruits coming out of high school. Um, <laughs> I, I think they're going to try and add pieces from the portal. Well, NIL hasn't worked out super well of late uh so let's not add another sport to it yeah it's uh moving on <laughs> moving on <laughs> uh we, we don't need to rehash that no nope, uh, that's all right i i, I think uh the, the folks listening nick they, they want to hear what you got to say about this florida baseball team obviously uh we are inching closer and closer to the start of the 2023 season and uh you've been out there for the scrimmages for the practices talking to these guys What's the what's the what's the what's the temperature check? What's the vibe check? Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now you wanna get mixed up in the family business? Introducing the Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. You're on mute, my friend. Hello. I think, I think the biggest news... That's um, not a good vibe check. No. I think the biggest news will be that uh, Pierce Capala, who uh, six foot eight lefty out of New Jersey... Um, really the only time Florida fans have been able to see him was opening weekend, uh, where he struck out seven and four and a third, uh, and then had a bulging disc in his back and, and needed surgery. Um, I, I question why the surgery, uh, was pushed off until the summer. Cause now you're bringing him back slowly. And that's the guy who I thought or would have penciled into the Sunday, um, the Sunday day or the Sunday role as the starter weekend, last weekend starter, you've got two potential postseason all sec guys in brandon sprout and hurston waldrip um and, and i thought you'd have a potential all sec freshman in kapala now he won't be back there the goal is to get him to 100 percent by um by sec play which is in march with uh with alabama as the first team on the schedule there um the interesting one for me is is i thought jack caglia nun would be a closer um two-way player he's gonna hit third or fourth in the lineup Thought you would try to keep him in the lineup as much as possible and, and maybe DH him uh, or DH him and close. Kevin O'Sullivan says, if we're going to be as good as we need to be, he has to start games for us. So I think Jack Caglianun and, and Brandon Neely will probably battle for that third spot. So that's uh, been the scuttle around the uh, around the Condren ballpark this last week is the health of Pierce Capala and kind of who slides into that role. Um, 
but also you get two guys uh, as the SEC coaches voted on it this week. You get two guys that are uh, voted first team preseason. Obviously, Wyatt Langford led the SEC uh, in home runs last year, um, and then BT Ryapel named to the first team, and then Hurston Waldrip, uh, the transfer from Southern Miss. He's a third team guy. It's interesting to me. Hurston Waldrip is going to be a top fifteen pick, but to you, you must be good if you've only really played Sun Belt Conference. If Southern Miss is in the Sun Belt, I don't even know. Um, but if you're playing Southern Miss and, and to be on a preseason All SEC roster when you've never pitched uh, against that kind of competition consistently, you must be good. Uh, and, and he is. So I think Florida this year has the pitching and has the depth to make a run. If if you look at uh, that team in 2017 that won the, the national championship, they didn't have a single guy, Zach, that hit over 300 on that entire team. Uh, wow. it, was all, it was all about pitching. Uh, and I don't know that you have Brady Singer, Alex Fayeto, Jackson Coer, and Michael Byrne on the team, uh, but obviously there's plenty of season. The season hasn't even started yet, but there's plenty of time for guys to find roles, and, and, and we'll see if they can live up to the potential and to some of the billing that we're giving them. Now we know that Sully is uh, notorious about not hyping up his team, or certainly not getting ahead of himself. But but what what do you feel like is his sense for where he feels like this group is at, and certainly maybe just some of the the preseason hype that they've garnished for, as a team and as individuals. That's a great question because Florida is always going to get that kind of hype. The way that Kevin O'Sullivan, Chuck Duralman, and his staff recruit. They're going to have a top five class every year, um, and, and with that comes expectations. And the expectation is always to win the SEC and get to Omaha. Once you're in Omaha and there's only eight teams left, <laughs> anyone, anyone can win it once you're there. Um, in last year, Kevin O'Sullivan, you know, obviously the expectations were always the same, and he was kind of saying, hey, we're really young. We're a young team. I don't know if uh, this team is going to – like they're going to have – some bumps and bruises, some growing pains. Uh, this year, uh, it, almost a direct quote from him is, we as coaches need to shield this team from those expectations. And I got the sense that he understands and knows we are that good. I, mm. The team I'm watching, we are that good. And I can't let everyone tell them that they're that good. Let it get to their head and let them – think that we can just roll the roll the bats and balls out and, and win games because of the collection of talent that we have. So reading between the lines and, and knowing and covering Kevin O'Sullivan for a decade now, um, I, I get the sense that he really likes this team. Uh, they're not young like they were last year. They were the second youngest team in the SEC last year. Mm. Um, this year they're loaded with juniors, seniors, and graduates um, along with – the consensus number two recruiting class in the country. Um, so yeah, it, it, this Florida team is really good. Uh, I'm breaking all of my my rules that I've set out for myself by not hyping them up, Zach. Breaking all of them here. You tried uh -oh. to ask me. You tried to ask me about baseball last week, and I and I tried to steer away from it. And now I've hyped them up. I've broken my rule. Uh, me and Bart Simpson are back on that chalkboard, uh, drawing <laughs> drawing it up again. Listen. You're gonna you're gonna you're gonna hype up our uh, all of our, our board members that have been waiting waiting yeah. to hear from you. Um, season's getting what, closer. Though, what's that? I said the season's getting closer. It's getting harder to to hold in my excitement for college baseball. Um, I watched a hour and forty minute video that old Mrs. Social Media team put together. They obviously won the. College World Series last year. They were the last team to make it into the tournament, and it was so well done. Uh, it got me pumped up uh, for for <laughs> for the season this year. Um, I also looked at the College World Series, and if Florida were to make it to the World Series and to the Championship Series, that ends June 26th in Omaha, Nebraska. My wedding is in St. Augustine, Florida, four days later. Fiance, not thrilled with that. She is not rooting for the Gators this year. Ooh, I'd be a, that's a that's a that's a that's not not starting the marriage off well there, Zach. If I'm catching a red eye on uh, you know a red eye from <laughs> Omaha to to Orlando and driving up to St. Augustine for the wedding, house divided. House divided. We're getting ahead of ourselves talking about <laughs> winning a national championship, uh, and and we're sitting here eight days from the first game.
Well, listen, not only will our board members be happy to hear in this show you hyping up the baseball team, they'll also be happy to hear the date of your wedding because then they know that you're not going to have to ask on me to cover a baseball game. I, I'm going to be in the clear. Listen, I'm a I the message board, I'm a team player, guys. We did not get married during football season, which would never happen. Um, the fiance <laughs> understood that right away, but she wanted to get married in April uh, and honeymoon right after. That would have meant Zach, that would have meant a detrimental losing streak for the Gator baseball team with Zach covering up to 12 games. That's just <laughs> Florida might not have made the tournament if I had Zach cover 12 straight games. Sullivan Borner would have revoked my credential halfway through. <laughs> you got to watch from home. Oh, man. Well, look, I, I'm I'm looking forward to it because I get to go to these games with my boys as a spectator. So uh, February 17th against Charleston Southern at 7 p.m. Congen Family Ballpark. The Gators uh, open their 2023 season. How many games do you think Max Brown gets in? Before he's got what's the spring. So will so, he get the Miami series? No, no, sir. You got first practice on March for on March 4th, as well as uh the first baseball game against Miami. And listen, if you've if you've never been to a Florida baseball game, that is the weekend to get to Condren Ballpark. Zach oh, can Miami. tell you, oh yeah. Zach can tell you that that is uh, a beautiful ballpark. There's really no bad place to sit. The state the seats are almost sold out. I just bought my dad um we're doing the bridal shower that week. Uh, so just bought my dad uh, and my mom will be up. She bought my dad tickets uh, up in the club section near us. But if you can get in general admission, there's no bad place to stand, sit, watch a game there. And uh, Miami brings a lot of fans. That's a really heated baseball series between the two. And it's a lot of fun. I'm, I go down there every other year to watch it in Miami. And uh, it, it will be a packed ballpark for sure. But no, Max Brown will be at football practice and then meetings. Uh, I don't think he'll listen. So he'll make it through February. (laughs) He'll be very tired on March 4th. If he, if he shows up to that, to that game. Now here's what's interesting though. The spring game for the Gators. Thursday, April 13th is April 13th. So he could rejoin the baseball team. Yes. And which I, which I fully anticipate. I, and, and when I said that Max Brown is a here on a football scholarship, well, football, the spring practice portion ends April 13th. So Max, yeah, let's say Florida has a home game on a Tuesday and football yeah, he can play a whole on other Tuesday. Month. He could yeah. play Tuesday night uh, while spring practice is still going on. It's just a lot on his plate, and, and you're not missing football as a quarterback. Uh, maybe if you were, you know, a walk-on running back. <laughs> uh, and that we're playing both. Hey, you can miss a couple practices. We won't miss you. If you're one of the three scholarship quarterbacks, you're not missing a football practice. Um, but I, I do anticipate Max coming back uh, and, and playing baseball. Like, listen, unless unless he's not playing at all, I, I don't know that, you know, maybe they would change some things and Billy would say, listen, you're not playing. You're just hanging out in the dugout while the team is playing. Um, you don't really have a role with the baseball team. We could use you going through these workouts for us. Sure. But I think the the thought process and the conversations that Billy, Kevin, and Max have had are, listen, we're going to see how things shake out. And it's tough. Like, listen, Florida's – Max plays a corner outfield spot. You've got Wyatt Langford, who's Mr. All-SEC, um, and Ty Evans, who's a sophomore, who's going to be banging the ball over the park. And then you've got Mikey Robertson in center field, who is – the fastest kid on the team. Like the, the, there's tough competition in the outfield for guys who aren't having to split their time between two sports and two meetings and, and still juggling being a student athlete. Yeah. Now when, what's the schedule look like this weekend for any fans that want to catch maybe last few scrimmages before they get into game week? Oh yeah. You pulled me away from practice today on Thursday. Uh, but the, the, team will be out there on saturday and sunday i'm pulling it up right now saturday is with an asterisk um and it's tough for my new favorite team on campus the golf team as well because they're hosting the vistar Invitator invitational this week um at, at a mark bostic saturday looks like an actual torrential downpour all day long in gainesville obviously you can't play golf and or baseball um outside so uh 
Friday night. The Gators will be out uh, two fifteen uh, practice. You can go and watch practice, but there is no um, scrimmage after that. And there you go up, up there. So Saturday, look at that. Shout out to the, Megan. Shout out to shout out to our producer Megan. Um, but if you look at that Saturday schedule, uh, keep that in mind and, and check the uh, check the weather report before you go out there. Uh, you can't play baseball in the rain. And then Sunday, eleven a.m. scrimmage, and you can do all of those um, every. It's, it's wild because I go out to a baseball scrimmage and there might be 30 people there. Could you imagine if Billy Napier and the Florida Gator football team said, hey, by the way, scrimmage on Saturdays at 11, come to the swamp and watch. You'd have 90,000 people at the swamp, including Easy. us. Yeah, oh, we'd be there. Yeah, it's a, it's a really great um, – it's a great time. And listen, there's – Prices are expensive when you're at a college uh, on a college campus trying to buy trying to buy beer, or drinks, food, anything like that. The concessions aren't open, so it's BYOB. Bring your own beer, bring your own drinks, bring your own food. Um, you know, Zach, you should you should go up there with a, a couple cold ones with the boys. And uh, the other thing too, if you're bringing like Zach with his kids, if you're bringing your kids, um, the baseball players are very gracious with their time. Um, after practice, if you walk down towards the first baseline where their dugout is, um, they're always taking pictures with kids, signing autographs, um, playing catch with guys. So, um, you're in Gainesville. If you're around town, this is really the last weekend to, to get that kind of close up, uh, up close and personal, um, uh, until the season starts on, uh, the 17th. Well, and if you're going to be in Gainesville, not only would I encourage you to, to go by Condren Family Ballpark and check out some scrimmages, but there is a lot going on in Gainesville on Friday and this weekend. So I want to kind of run through these events just to give you guys a kind of to-do list uh, for Gainesville this weekend. We mentioned the HBC earlier. Well, he's having mm -hmm. a big event uh, this Friday as he will have a street named in his honor Steve Spurrier Way will officially be unveiled on February 10th at 5.30 p.m. in in front of Spurrier's Gridiron Grill and Celebration Point. So uh, you can definitely go out there. It's it's open to the public. Uh, it's going to be from 5.30 uh, to 6.15. So fans are uh, welcome to come out and uh, uh, watch Spurrier get a street named after him, something that's been a long time coming. Yeah. Yeah. Uh well, I was thinking you, you know, you could call it Citrus Bowl Lane. Um, <laughs> you, you, I'm trying to think, I'm trying to, you know, go through, go through some of the names. Uh, but it, uh, it, it's certainly an honor for Steve Spurrier. Uh, probably comes in right after getting the field named after you. You know, the field that you played on uh, from your alma mater, but certainly a, a, an honor nonetheless. And then on Saturday, a, a couple events going on, uh, Gator related for fans that want to get out and maybe have some some things autographed or certainly get a chance to meet with some football players. First of all, the Gator Collective is having a tailgater event prior to Florida's game against Vanderbilt in the O-Dome, and that will be at the Social at Midtown from 12 p.m. to 2.30 p.m. And tickets are only $10, and you get to – I'll just run through the list. Micah Mazuka, Caleb Douglas, Derek Wingo, Ricky Pearsall – Keon Zipperer, Shamar James, uh, Justice Boone, friend of the show, Austin Barber, Des Watson, Kamari Wilson, Trevor Etienne, and Jamarcus Weston, all and guys Nick that will be there. Oh, uh oh, and, special invited guest. And Nick Delatore will be there. Uh, before I head up to, to St. Augustine, uh, Lauren and I are going to stop by. So you can, uh, I, I'm probably the most important on that list, I'd say. Well, as long as, long as you're getting me in, too. Um, yeah. I'm, oh, you'll I'm, be you'll be on campus because that's uh, leading right into uh, basketball. Listen, I need a place to go eat. There you go. So, and then you come to town, you go catch a baseball scrimmage, you go and uh, to the tailgater event, you go and watch the game in the O Dome, and then after that, you can head over to the Mealy Pop Shop if you are a baseball fan. And uh, former Gator star Judd Fabian will be back in town having an autograph signing at the Mealy Pop Shop. You can get an autograph from him for 20 bucks or $10 for kids 10 and under. Uh, inscription as well uh, will be offered, so a chance to uh, 
catch up with Judd, who's now uh, playing in the pros. Nicholas got one of those. Uh, got one of those myself. That's uh, from Judd Fabian. A little go O's there on his rookie card. Yeah, that's awesome, man. He's uh, obviously was a home run king here, and now uh, doing it big as he's working his way up to uh, to make it to the majors. So uh, definitely, if you have a chance to uh, swing by Mealy Pop Shop right off of 39th Avenue before you uh, jump on the highway, and they got if you haven't been there, it's like the card shop in Gainesville. So you what got is, sports cards too, Mealy Pop. It's dude, it's awesome. Uh, I got stuff, all the stuff you see up here in my man cave. A lot of it came from the Mealy Pop Shop, so they got a, a bunch of cool memorabilia. And then obviously we can't close out the show without mentioning the big one. And that is uh, the Super Bowl taking place this weekend between mm-hmm. the Chiefs and the Eagles. A total of seven Gators participating in this game, although there'll be five players that are active. Um, actually, excuse me, four players that will be active. Uh, Chauncey Garner-Johnson for the Eagles, Dunlap, Tony, and Townsend for the Chiefs. And then you also got uh, LaMichael Pirine, who was signed just to – yeah, just just signed to Kansas City's practice squad. He was also a member of Philadelphia's practice squad, so he's he was part of both Super Bowl teams this season uh, and was a part of the Dolphins team. Um, and then uh, Fred Johnson and Tyree Cleveland, uh, part of the practice squad uh, for the Eagles. So um, really, uh, no matter what, you're going to have a, a Gator that wins a ring, and that's going to happen for the – 12th time in the last 13 seasons and this is the Pretty 21st incredible. year in a row that the gators have been represented in the big game so all right zach it's uh we haven't done it in a little bit prediction time now you um, got gators on both sides you got our boy brian johnson uh over with the eagles uh, tough one for me um uh, i can go first if you need some time no you go first you go first. i'll go first listen uh it's tough uh, I've been talking with Brian all year. Brian Johnson, Florida's uh, ex-offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach. Um, wish him well, but I think he'll be back. I'm going with the Chiefs. I can't go against my boy Tommy Townsend. Punters are people too. <laughs> Tommy had one of the hit, probably one of the worst punts of his career the last time he was in the Super Bowl. Will not happen again. Tommy Townsend, potential Super Bowl MVP? Who's to say? I'm going with the Chiefs this Sunday. No doubt the favorite in your mind. Absolutely. I mean, just odds on. What are the odds? I might throw $2 on it just in case. I mean, listen, they might run a fake, Nick, and you know what Tommy oh, does on a fake. Gone. Running running <laughs> through somebody. He'll he'll look like he'll look like Percy Harvin for the Seahawks <laughs> running it in. Um and speaking of Percy, uh the Gators most recent Percy version, uh, Kadarius Tony, obviously uh, playing for the Chiefs. It would be cool to see him win a ring. It would be cool for Carlos Dunlap, the longevity that that guy's had in the league to uh, be able to get one. But um, I think Chauncey Gardner-Johnson and the Philadelphia Eagles are going to get it done for the first time since they won their last championship in 2017. And uh, – Fred Johnson and Cleveland will also uh, be able to get rings if that happens. So uh, I'm going Philly. Philly special. And if Philly wins, uh, our buddy Randy Russell will get a ring. Randy served in the front office with the Eagles. Um, He's got some other stuff that that, uh, he's got coming coming out soon uh, that I was able to talk to him about. But Randy Russell, the perseverance uh, of a 17-year-old kid who told, who was told that your dream is done, you'll never play football again, you have this heart condition, is a win away from being a Super Bowl champion uh, as a member of the front office, which uh, another ah, – jeez. What I a story. The, I should have picked the birds. I should have picked the birds. I mean, that – can you imagine how good that ring will feel on his hand? Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody in that organization will be absolutely elated and over the moon, but something tells me that'd be a little bit more special. Or or just uh, for Randy, the emotions that he's going to feel in that moment will be unlike anybody else in that organization. Yeah. And um, for him to still find his path and, and be able to still be involved in the sport and 
we know kind of all the the players on this team that he impacted and kind of like the student coach role that he had at UF and was still so involved in the program. So um, he's he's an awesome guy. I had a chance to get to know him during the recruiting process. So uh, another reason to root for the Eagles. That's true. Yeah. So I'm talking, um, I'm still going for Tommy. <laughs> I'll be happy either way now. Yeah, you, you can't lose. Um, so we'll see if uh, the Gators can get back on track against Vandy on Saturday. And then we are uh, going to be inching one week away from the start of baseball season. We'll kind of get more into a preview uh, for the team next week. And obviously uh, inch closer to the start of uh, spring football camp and the Gators going through phase two of their offseason workouts. So we'll see uh, any buzz or uh, – any workout warriors and, and things that we can find out this past week, maybe we'll have to uh, talk about on, on next week's show. So uh, we appreciate Megan for uh, producing this week. For Nick Del Torre, I'm Zach Alpaverde. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing... The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.